explore the remarkable journey of Warren Spahn with me today. He's one of baseball's greatest left-handed pitchers who bravely served in World War II before dominating the major leagues. We're going to uncover Spahn's early days, his heroic military service, and his legendary baseball career. We're going to highlight his character, leadership, and enduring legacy, all on today's episode of Rounders, A History of Baseball in America. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another week, another episode of Rounders, A History of Baseball in America. I am your host, Jeff Lambert. Thanks so much for joining me this morning. We're going to be talking about Warren Spahn from the battlefield to the baseball field. This is a new series that I'm looking to start here on the show where we're going to profile baseball players that also served in our military. And we're kicking off that series, of course, for Veterans Day this year with his story, Warren Spahn's story. Before we get into his uh, overview that I've put together for you, really quick, uh, you know, I like to go back and go through some of the feedback that you've given me and just say welcome to the new subscribers. So first off, I didn't give you a poll last week for last week's episode about the Washington Senators. Couldn't really think of a good question to take a, you know, a temperature on. So I don't have any poll feedback for you this week, but I did get some comments and I appreciated them, each and every one of them. One I wanted to bring up was from uh, Martin S. who left me a Facebook comment. And his comment was in regards to an episode that we did back in June about Bob Slaybaugh, the one-eyed pitching wonder was the title I gave him. Pitcher, uh, you know, with one eye who found success in Major League Baseball. He pointed out that in that episode, when I was talking about other players with vision issues who had played in Major League Baseball, uh, he said, quote, you mistakenly cited Dick Sisler as having eye problems. It was actually his father, George, end quote. You're 100% right on that, Martin. I went back and checked and I got that mixed up. So thank you for pointing that out. I always prefer uh, that you let me know. That way I can point out where the historical corrections need to be made because, you know, we all want to make sure that we're learning the right way. So thank you for that. And if you want to check out the story of Bob Slayball, which is incredibly interesting, I will put a link in the show notes to the episode if you want to go back and check that out. I also want to just take a moment to remind you, if you have not signed up for the free uh, email newsletter that comes with the show, take a moment to do that. It's 100% free. I give you perks for just joining our mailing list, and some of that includes you get to join this community of baseball enthusiasts that we're building and growing daily. You get a new episode notification, like when this comes out, you're going to get right in your inbox a link to this episode, and in addition to that, you're going to get photographs, videos, uh, further reading links. It really helps you deepen your experience with the topic. And then as a third and most important bonus I give you, you get a free weekly bonus show called This Week in Baseball History. And that's where we look at the most significant events that occurred over the past seven days, 100% free short podcast episode that you get just for signing up. If you're interested in doing that, you can go to rounders.substack.com to sign up 100% free. We also have a free tier. I ask for a dollar a month. Uh, excuse me, a dollar a week um, for paid subscribers. And you get even more perks on top of that, more say in where the show's going in the direction it's headed in. You've got two tiers. Why not start with the free one? Check out the link if you haven't already. All right, with that said, let's get into our topic for today, Warren Spahn. 
Warren Spahn is a name that carries significant weight in professional baseball history. And it's not just because of his remarkable achievements during his career on the field, but it's also what he did off the field with his willingness to serve his country during World War II. And that obviously has earned him the title of a true legend of the sport and as a citizen of this country. He was a left-handed pitcher. He boasted a career that was absolutely saturated with triumph, and he stands tall in the record books. For example, he amassed a career 363 wins throughout his career. That's the most by any left-handed pitcher in MLB history. He played for 21 seasons for the Boston and Milwaukee Braves, and he was inducted into the Hall of Fame at the end of his career. And the rest of his stats rightfully back up that induction. I lay out all of them in our weekly newsletter, but just to give you a few quick uh, ones, again, over 21 seasons, he had 17 All-Star appearances. He won the Cy Young Award in 1957. He pitched two no-hitters. He was inducted into the Braves uh, Hall of Fame in Atlanta now. And of course, that Hall of Fame induction, many more stats to back up. But overall, we look at his career and we say he was successful on the field. But it was also that he put his life on the line for our country by joining the United States Army during World War II. And he was willing to trade his baseball mitt for military fatigues. And we're going to talk about how he got there. We're going to start off by talking about his early life and his baseball beginnings. So his full name, Warren Edward Spahn. He was born on April 23rd, 1921 in Buffalo, New York. His father, whose name was Ed, was, uh, he held several jobs, but he mainly juggled jobs between being a wallpaper salesman and, as you might have guessed, we see this in our Roots of Greatness episodes, his dad was really into baseball and played semi-professionally. So his father, Ed, introduced young Warren to baseball, helped them develop a love for it, and introduced him to the art of pitching, which he would become later on in life, obviously known for that particular position. Now, during this time, especially, and I guess maybe to some extent today, uh, his father, Ed, knew that left-handed players in baseball had somewhat limited opportunities. So Ed took it upon himself as his son got interested in the sport to ensure that he was prepared no matter what. So he said, look, I'm going to teach you how to field. I'm going to teach you how to bat. But in case it doesn't work out for you as being a great fielder or a good hitter, I want you to know how to pitch. So Ed actually constructed a mound in their backyard, and he would intensively train Warren on all aspects of the game, but particularly on pitching. And he taught him how to, from a very young age, deliver both fastballs and curveballs. And Warren has said in interviews that his father would repeatedly say, quote, you got to have control. Without control, you're nothing, end quote. Warren once stated in an interview with the Oklahoma City's Daily Oklahoman, great name, in 1998, that, quote, He, my father, insisted that I throw with a fluid motion, and the high leg kick was part of the deception to the hitter. Hitters said the ball seemed to come out of my uniform, end quote. If you've never seen Warren Spahn's delivery, very interesting. I included a link in the uh, newsletter so you can see his form. Very interesting. But that started at a young age because of his dad, his interest in pitching. Now, on top of that, Warren would go to uh, local baseball games with his dad all the time as a kid. They would go to the local Buffalo Bisons games, which was the local minor league team in the area. And in particular, Warren took a liking to Buffalo's first baseman, whose name was Big Bill Kelly. And Big Bill Kelly was a former major leaguer, and he had served stints with both the Athletics and the Phillies. 
And he played for the Bisons for a long time on top of his professional league experience. And he carved this local legacy. He had 149 home runs for the Bisons between 1922 and 1930. Very popular player. Warren really liked him. And on top of that, Warren's father, again, Ed, had played semi-pro ball with Kelly uh, and another Bisons player, one of their top pitchers, Charlie Lefty Perkins. So there were connections where they would go to the games and then that opened up opportunities after the game for Warren to connect with these players that he idolized. So, for instance, Warren got to go out and shag balls during practice for the Buffalo Bisons on a regular basis. The players would take him aside and mentor him. They'd give him tips on the game. They'd really help develop his love for the sport even more. And Warren obviously uh, loved going to the games, loved being able to connect with these players, but he admitted again in, in interviews later on in life that it was also important to him, baseball became important to him, because it was a way for him to connect with his father. And that was a really big thing for both of them. He stated in an interview with the Tulsa Daily World one time that, quote, after those bison games, my dad gave me the option of an ice cream cone or a streetcar ride home. Many times we took the ice cream and rehashed the game walking home, end quote. As a father, that resonated with me because I think uh, as any fathers who are listening to this, you, you want to give your kids every opportunity, help them develop the interests that they have. And you can see that baseball I think was important to Warren on, you know, a level of him having a, a strong interest in the sport, but you can see how it was also a connection between him and his dad. So I thought that was really nice, you know? So as time went on, Warren went on to play baseball. He started playing in local social clubs. He joined the American Legion baseball team in his teen years. In high school, he led his high school team to two city championships. They went undefeated during his junior and senior year, and he threw a no-hitter to cap off the end of his senior year. So you would think his performance over his teenage years would surely draw the attention of big league scouts, right? Well, uh, scouts that did come to see him, I mean, obviously he caught the eye of different regional clubs, but when the scouts came to see him, several of them wrote him off because they thought he was too skinny to be successful as a pro pitcher. He was a very uh, wire-thin kind of a guy. So this trend was normal for him as he graduated from high school, uh, got towards the end of that time in his life. But there was one scout named Billy Myers that decided that Spawn was more than that thin frame that other scouts saw. He saw Spawn had impressive control over his pitches, and he convinced his employer, the Boston Bees, who would later become the Boston Braves, to sign Warren Spawn out of high school for $80 a month. They went to Warren with that decision, and Warren was a bit torn because $80 a month is a good amount of money during this time. But he also had been offered a partial scholarship to go to Cornell University. And coming from a family that didn't have a lot of money, he ended up taking the money <laughs> by bypassing the scholarship to Cornell, and he decided to go play for the Bees to be able to get that money to help out his family, but also I'm sure on some level he was excited to be able to start his professional career. So Spawn was signed by the Bees, and his first professional assignment was he was sent down to the minor leagues to the Bradford Bees, which were a minor league club for Boston's franchise in the Pennsylvania, Ontario, New York League, the Pony League, and started with them. But he suffered a uh, setback in his career almost immediately. So he started off the season with the Bees down in Pennsylvania. Started off great enough. He had a 5-4 and four record, 62 strikeouts in 66 innings. He set a 2.83 ERA, doing great. But with less than half the season complete, he suffered a setback. 
he was experimenting with different deliveries for a curveball, and he unintentionally tore multiple tendons in his left shoulder. And he decided to take a couple weeks off, but he tried to come back too quickly, and he re-injured himself. And because of that re-injury, he had to take off the entire season. It took him more than a year to recover, but he didn't give up, and that's, that's a running theme throughout Warren's life. So he returned the next season in 1941, They liked what they saw, the Bees Club, and he was promoted to a higher minor league club. And Warren did great that year. He stayed healthy. He led the circuit in wins with 19. He topped the league in winning percentage with uh, 760. He had seven shutouts, and he posted an ERA of 1.83. Very impressive. But he didn't get through that second season without an injury either. He suffered a broken nose because of a comeback pitch that left him permanently disfigured during that time. But he was able to play out most of the season and obviously posted great numbers. So uh, impressive, to say the least. So he is looking great in the minors. Second year in, the the bees are really thinking, okay, it's time to bring this guy up, right? So just as Spawn is poised to launch his professional baseball career, he decided to trade in his baseball glove for a military uniform. So less than a year after that second season with the Bees where he posted those great numbers, he volunteered to join the United States Army on December 3rd, 1942, less than a year after the events at Pearl Harbor. I mean, bravery in itself, right? Not drafted, volunteered, wanted to serve his country, put a promising career on hold. And uh, he was assigned to Camp Chafee in Arkansas, and he was put into the 276th Engineer Combat Battalion. Now, like, unlike other big leaguers, you know, the big names a lot of times, and we're going to be having an interview coming up uh, in November that talks about this very topic, but um, a lot of big league players that joined the military often did not have to fight in the thick of things during World War II. They were used for tours to go around and encourage morale, you know, higher morale with the troops, or they were placed in areas that didn't see a lot of combat. Warren was not one of those players. He saw direct action during some of the most grueling battles of World War II. And his division was largely responsible for repairing roads and bridges across battle-torn Europe throughout the conflict. So we're going to dive into Spahn's military career and talk about his heroic service on that front. So he was assigned to critical duty, particularly in Belgium and France. And his unit was important, again, because they were critical to keeping supply lines moving. And his battalion was actually stationed at the Rhine River and the Ludendorff Railroad Bridge. Both of these were were big events, and I want to give you the backstory as to why that area, that regional, uh, not regional, local conflict that he was involved in was so critical to the outcome of World War II. So at the Rhine River, where the Ludendorff Railroad Bridge was, it was, criti- it was a critical supply line for, uh, towards the end of the war. And the Germans were retreating. They had destroyed all the bridges as they went, you know, retreated and went backwards, except for this one in this town called Remagen, right, on the Rhine. The soldiers, the Nazis, had placed explosives all over the bridge, but for some reason, as they retreated, they weren't able to blow it up. So the Allies knew they needed this bridge to be able to keep moving troops and vehicles and supplies forward into the heart of Germany. So keeping it intact was really crucial. This was a a fluke on the Nazi side that the Allies wanted to take advantage of. So Sergeant Spahn and his engineering outfit were given a really dangerous mission. Their job was to go to that bridge, 
defuse the existing explosives that hadn't gone off, and then repair any existing damages to the bridge so it could be kept in working order for Allied troops. And Warren and his team, they went in there, they worked tirelessly to try and preserve that bridge and protect it because the Nazis came back and tried to finish the job and blow it up. So this engineering outfit had to remove explosives and repair it while they're under enemy machine gun fire, tank shells, and V-2 rockets that were being launched by German troops. And during that time, Warren suffered a wound. He actually got shrapnel from a nearby explosion into his foot, but luckily surgeons were able to remove it and he didn't end up losing the foot or suffering any severe damage to it. After that, Warren also took part in the Battle of Hurtgen Forest. This was the, pre, uh, the precursor to the Battle of the Bulge. And he served in the thick of this as well. He suffered additional gunshot grazes to the head and abdomen, but survived and uh, lasted out the war. So this guy saw three major conflicts throughout World War II, suffered injuries due to those battles, but came out on the end of it alive and ready to resume his baseball career. Now, because of his service during World War II, the injuries he served and the accomplishments his unit was able to uh, proceed with, he received several commendations from the federal government. So he received a bronze star, he received a purple heart, and he um, received a presidential citation for his service. And these medals made him the most decorated player in World War II, decorated baseball player in World War II. Now, Hoyt Wilhelm also received a Purple Heart during the war. He was a professional baseball player. But because Spawn got the Bronze Star and the Presidential Citation, that made him the most decorated. So he is, when we think about players who served in uh, armed conflict during World War II, he's the guy. So how did war change Spawn? He comes out the other end of it. He wants to resume his baseball career. Did it affect him? I mean, it must have. The things he must have seen, right? So those grueling experiences of war, they did impact him. They really showed him the harsh realities of life and death. And he himself uh, said that he uh, adopted a specific mantra during his time in the military. He said, quote, if you survive days sleeping in frozen tank tracks under enemy threat, you won't see anything in baseball as hard work. My time overseas taught me what truly matters, end quote. So you see that uh, it gave him a lightheartedness to not taking himself too seriously when it came to playing a game, I think. He realized that life is short. He's blessed to be able to play this game. And what really matters is enjoying every day because you never know how long it is, right? He was also known for having this lightheartedness and humor that kept his other um, company mates really, you know, kind of loose and uh, not too brought down by the realities of war while he served. And I just wanted to point this out. Uh, there's a story that I found about him where when he was on guard duty, when he was serving, uh, he would have a method for identifying German spies that might be wearing American uniforms trying to cross the lines. So he and his fellow uh, guardsmen, when he was on duty, would ask, quote, who plays second base for the bums, end quote. And the bums, of course, is a nickname for the Brooklyn Dodgers. If you'd like to learn more about the Brooklyn Dodgers, we have an episode on them. Uh, I'll include that in the show notes for you. But uh, that was what they would call out when they saw anybody coming to try and identify him. Who plays second for the bums? And he said, an incorrect answer of anything other than Eddie Stanky was a direct ticket to being considered a spy. So it was, it was kind of a lighthearted way to be able to try and uh, cipher through that. 
Spahn never saw himself as a war hero either, even though he won several commendations. He personally reserved that honor for those who had sacrificed their lives in the war. And he also disagreed that his service time led to any lost wins in his career because he lost, you know, four years of his, his professional career. He had said in an interview, quote, I grew a lot during those war years, and without that maturity, I wouldn't have been able to pitch until then, he noted, end quote. So he never had any regrets about serving his country, and he said it made him better as a baseball player, uh, which, again, goes back to speaking to his character, I think. So the war's end came around, 1945. He was unaware that the war had ended uh, and he had accepted a battlefield promotion. So he ended up having to stay overseas, which resulted in him missing the beginning of the 1946 baseball season because of that. So he lost an additional year just because of the communication uh, situation and him having to serve out his promotion. But during that time, as you know, the Allies were um, you know, helping dismantle what was left of the Nazi regime, he became a sensation in Germany because he would play in the baseball leagues between the different military groups. And he had become a part of the 115th Engineers Group Baseball Club and pitched for them in the games they had where the troops would come and the local German population would come out and watch. And during his time as pitcher overseas for this military unit, he allowed only one run and secured 73 strikeouts in four games. So even overseas, kept his skills sharp and was recognized for his truly unique ability to be an excellent pitcher. And then he comes back to the United States after his term's up. He was immediately promoted to the major leagues by the Braves. And mid-season in 1946, he was back on the mound playing professional baseball. And again, going back to that humorous side of him, when he reported for, for duty with the Braves, in June, he told his new manager, whose name was Billy Southworth, quote, this is the first time in years I've reported to anybody without saluting, end quote. <laughs> so that, in, uh, in a nutshell, is um, Warren Spahn's military service. And it really is important for me to point out that, again, this guy was in the thick of it, volunteered to serve his country, served it, respect and recognition, uh, suffered injuries in the line of duty, and came back still after that time and was ready to play baseball. So let's talk about his post-baseball career. How did things go for him? Well, as we talked about, he believed that his time in service to his country made him a better baseball player and that emboldened him in some ways. And he really dominated. He went into his prime after he came back from the war. So 1947, you know, he finished out the 1946 season. If you look at 1947, that marks, I think, the real beginning of his major league career because it never really started before he went. And he wouldn't retire until 1965 when he was 44 years old. So during that span from 1947 to 1965, Spahn earned 363 wins, which was a record for left-handed pitchers like we talked about. And he also led the league in wins eight times and achieved 20 or more victories in 13 of those seasons. And every curve and throw that he threw during this time, especially for, you know, big fans of the game, people that watched the team and baseball, really regarded Warren Spahn as a thinking man's pitcher. That was the title that was often given to him because he was known for outsmarting his batters and his pitching style became an inspiration for future players with that high leg kick. Two of his most successful games were both no hitters and it, it showcased his extraordinary skill and control. So to give you an example, these two no hitters, 
at 39 years old in 1960, he threw his first no-hitter against the Philadelphia Phillies. And the very next year, in 1961, he came back and threw a second no-hitter against the San Francisco Giants at age 40. And of course, later on in his career, still pitching to that level, goes back to showing how he approached the game and what a cerebral type of pitcher he was to be able to outsmart batters, even when maybe he had a little bit less on his pitches because of his age. So... As we said, 17-time All-Star. In 1957, he wins the Cy Young Award. He has his number retired by the first by the Braves, uh, and he's welcomed into their Hall of Fame, still there today. And then in 1973, he earned his rightful place in the Baseball Hall of Fame and secured 82.89% of the votes on the very first ballot, which is incredibly rare. So this accolade, on top of everything else he did, shows that he was one of the best pitchers in baseball history, certainly the greatest left-handed pitcher in baseball history, and is deserving of all the accolades on the baseball side. But let's not forget about the service side as a citizen, as someone who is willing to give his life for this country. So there's some quotes I want to leave you about what people thought about Warren Spahn, uh, how highly regarded he was by the people that were in contact with him. So let's start with Bob Sudik. He was the author and historian of a book called The Pitcher's Duel. He stated that, quote, Warren Spahn still holds the record for the most wins by a left-handed pitcher in the major leagues, but it was his cerebral approach that stood him apart. He became a benchmark for strategic delivery while injecting a sense of verve into every game, end quote. You have his former teammate and service member Lou Brissy. He served with actually Spawn during World War II, and he reminisced about Warren that, quote, Warren was as tough on the battlefield as he was on the mound. When the Ludendorff Bridge collapsed, Spawn was there. He wasn't just a key battle participant, but he was a hero. His courage and resilience were later mirrored in his baseball career. Now, in one of his interviews, Spawn actually himself said, quote, I wasn't just a thrower, I was a pitcher. That was my dad's advice, control and fluid motion. That high lead kick I had, I developed that myself. It threw off the batter's timing, and it gave me an edge. So I think this statement really encapsulates going back to what we said about Spahn's strategic approach to the game and his devotion to the art of pitching, which was instilled in him in a very young age by his father. I'll leave you with one last little personal anecdote about Spahn's commitment to the game. You had fellow Hall of Famer and Braves teammate Eddie Matthews. He had this to say about Spahn. Quote, I remember this one game against the Pirates. It was the bottom of the ninth, two outs, bases loaded, and we were clinging to a one-run lead. Spawn was at 200-plus pitches, and when our manager walked out onto the mound, we all thought he was done. But Spawn just looked at him and said, quote, Skip, the game is mine to win or lose. He got the next batter out, and that was Spawn, end quote. Man. So in recognition of his remarkable career overall as his left-handed pitcher, in addition to him being enshrined in the Braves Hall of Fame and the Baseball Hall of Fame, we also have the Warren Spahn Award, which the MLB established, which is given and named after him, but it's given to as an annual acknowledgement of baseball's best left-handed pitcher every year. So in this way, I think Spahn's really profound impact on the game of baseball continues with that award named after him. And I think it serves as a way to influence and propel other lefties who are future, you know, pitchers coming up through the wings. And we're able to remember Spawn in that way. But of course, this is a guy that took a lot on the field and off the field and on the battlefield. 
And I think his legacy remains forever engraved, both in baseball history and military history. Someone we can all look up to. Showed that tenacity and bravery on a daily basis, no matter what he was doing. Showed resilience, showed strategy, and he showed this unwavering dedication to excellence. And that is why on this Veterans Day, we salute you, Warren Spahn. Folks, thank you for joining me for another episode. I'm encouraged to hear what you think about this new installment where we're going to be looking at players who served. Uh, give me some feedback. Let me know what you think. If you haven't signed up for the free newsletter, please do it, rounders.substack.com. If you think you can swing a dollar a week, help me grow the show. You can sign up as a paid member. Would love to have you do that. Overall, thanks for your time. Thanks for making this a part of your week. And as we always end the show, remember there are only two seasons, winter and baseball. See you next time. Rounders, A History of Baseball in America is produced by Jeffrey Lambert. Our research assistant is Cass Silber. A special thanks to our starting nine supporters, Nathan Halverson and Jack Wilson.